0: Welcome to Maestros On Air, presented by the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Recorded at Maestros Cafe, located at the Brevard Central Library and Reference Center in beautiful Cocoa, Florida. Maestros On Air is a discussion of culture, news events, and life on the Space Coast and highlights the music concerts, and personalities of the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Today's show features President of the Symphony Board, Eric Lee. Now your host, SESO Director of Communications, Bill Trudeau.
1: What do you mean really? More Blackhawks celebration? Sure, why not? <laughs> we're we're <laughs> celebrating
2: all year. I mean, this this happens so rarely with the Blackhawks. Yeah, oh. I mean it's only been 3 cups in 6 years, you oh, know. I know. I know. I know and I was counting. I was you know, counting. So that you know, so that was the Chicago Symphony yes. Orchestra playing yes. Chelsea Dagger. Well, good afternoon. Ah, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Jeremy. Good afternoon. I just want to
0: observe that. Normally, we say top of the morning, even if it's in the afternoon or evening. But uh, here we are in the afternoon, and we're calling it like we see it. That's great.
1: Yeah, good afternoon. uh, Good afternoon.
2: um, We're becoming more um, realistic in our uh, perception of uh, (laughs) time and space.
1: Yes, I feel very (laughs) cosmopolitan today why don't you uh, introduce our special guest it's exciting we have a very special guest um he's been kind of a part of a couple of shows in the background and taking pictures and oh he does movies and you name it so without further ado ladies and gentlemen can we get a drum roll oh sure hang
0: on hang on let me open that got this right there here okay (laughs)
1: ladies and gentlemen jeff thompson brevard library services director Good afternoon, gentlemen. It's a real pleasure to be here with you guys. It
2: is great having you on
0: here. Uh, Nice to have you here, yeah. And you're a good get, by the way. And and everyone should know that uh, he was actually not scheduled to be here. He's not on the show. It was uh, literally just a coincidence that he's here. And I want to say, here's how much I appreciate this public servant. The man works the county. He works for the library five days a week. He's in this very library where Maestro's Cafe is. He works here. This is his week off. He is on vacation. On vacation. He has taken his own personal time to come up here, spent his own money having lunch in Maestro's Cafe, Yes. and by coincidence, we found him. We were able to grab him and force this mic in front of him and said, sit here, say something nice. I think it's
1: great.
3: So what would you have for lunch? You know, I ate at the cafe today, and it was fantastic. What'd you I, have? I had uh, an Italian sausage sandwich. Oh, oh I love the oh, I love those Italian sausages. Yes. It was wonderful, absolutely wonderful. It's always wonderful. This is a
2: great cafe. I had the um, the chicken burger. Actually, that was really tasty. I
1: had
3: the sausage and peppers. Not bad. Uh, excellent choice.
2: I had
1: a cheeseburger.
3: Excellent choice. Plus tax. So you got the last cheeseburger because that's what I asked for, and they said they are out. Are you serious?
0: Oh, I'm so sorry. He's on vacation this week, so uh, punctuality is not something he's striving for. So I got here just at the end of lunch when, you know, all the all yeah. the cheeseburgers were already sold.
3: And today's dress code is a little different from my normal, so Yeah, yeah, you we see you sans tie here. Yeah. You look very relaxed. The staff has not recognized me yet because I'm not wearing my
1: costume. Well, every time I see you, you have a, a, your you nice, you have dress clothes on and a tie. All the time. And all I know is, yeah, and and sometimes you have, a lot of times you have sports coat on, or, or I've even seen you in a suit. But I have to tell you, you look very relaxed. It's great to have you on the show. This isn't some stuffy interview. You're one of the guys. You're one of the gang today. I appreciate that.
2: Normally when we see you you should be playing ZZ Top, you know, sharp dressed man. (laughs) 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 I shaved this morning though. So
1: no ZZ Top. Yeah, I shaved. I shaved for the interview. Looking good. I, I knew something. You know what? Normally I do shave. I think I did. Did I shave, Eric? Does it look like I shaved? I see a shadow. Okay. I shaved too, but you can't tell it. You know what I would note, though,
3: is that in this circle here, three of us are sporting goatees. Three of us. Hmm. Uh, It's like Sesame Street. Yeah. (laughs) Which one of these is not
0: like the other? Yeah. I I leave it to the audience at home to imagine
3: which one of us is Sam's goatee. (laughs) This is
0: perfect. We should have a contest. Uh, I think we've already helped you out with the math because uh, we've already said that uh, at least one person acknowledged they have a goatee. So that leaves <laughs> three left. If you send an email, contact at maestrosonair.com. Yes. Guess which of us on the show does not have a goatee. The very first correct answer we get in that email will win two flex tickets and a copy of the Florida Suite. That
2: is a tremendous prize.
0: The Space Coast Symphony Orchestra would like to take this moment to say thank you to our many sponsors, helping fund classical music in the community, including the following.
1: Health First proudly supports the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra and giving back to our community. HFGivesBack.org. Health First. We are here at Maestro's Cafe, in case you didn't notice already, but it's uh, it's quite a day. We're having a great time, and we have some show coming up for you. Of course, our special guest, Jeff Thompson, is here. We're very happy about that. We're going to be talking a little bit about this uh, incredible new display we have at Maestro's and the the crazy time we had moving it in. That was Um, a lot of fun yesterday, let me tell you. So where do we begin? I mean, what a crazy, crazy time this past couple of days has been. It's been been really busy. I mean,
2: the volunteers have been going nuts. I've been going to the post office every day. I just got back from the post office. Yeah, I got all these trays of male it's unbelievable how hard they're working so do you want to talk about this crazy thing that we tried moving into the into the cafe oh yeah this is uh it's to my right here it's a beautiful refrigerated display case for all our wares we have at uh, maestros yesterday went to orlando to pick it up got it back the thing it's like 600 pounds. yes joey Our chef, we went
1: over there, came back. Bill, you were here to help. I was here to help. I had dress clothes on. I was dressed up like you normally dress, Jeff. I was dressed up yesterday. Classy. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Bill looked good, but he's still like wrestling
1: with this uh, 600-pound refrigerator. I tried lifting a 600-pound, and I did. Yeah. I mean, we both did together. Yeah, we did good. Yeah, so 300 pounds a piece, right? Bill, hats off to you. I once helped some guys move a boulder in a full three-piece
3: suit. Really? Yes.
1: That's yes. great. It was so, a, it was
3: like a half-ton boulder and we were getting it into position and they needed a little help and well, is your friend Sisyphus? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of experience rolling boulders uphill and then watching them go back down. No, I no. thought
1: it was uphill and you were trying to position it to roll it down and actually crush something below. <laughs> that's an evil thought, Bill. I'm not like that. You're not like that? No. Okay. Well, that's yeah. good to know. Yeah. That's no, a that's I, a roadrunner kind of thing. I'm just kidding. And I am very <laughs> cartoon oriented. I'm glad he brought that up. I love cartoons. Yeah, we have an interview today. Yes, Michael Fee, uh,
2: principal trumpet, uh, excellent trumpet player. He's a great guy. I think everybody is going to really enjoy this interview that Aaron has with Michael Fee.
4: This is Aaron Collins, Artistic Director and Conductor of the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra, and today I'm joined by Michael Fee, a terrific trumpet player, great guy, and uh, great musician. Welcome.
5: Uh, thank you, Aaron. Great to be here.
4: Yeah. Uh, Michael, let's talk a little about, we're going to talk about all kinds of things today, but let's talk a little about how you found music. When did you discover uh, your love for music?
5: Well, some of my earliest memories of music, i would have to say come from being a small child in church. Yeah, um, watching the uh, the church organist. Okay, um, so I, I'm sure. Uh, TV and movies uh-huh. and you know great film scores to things like Star Wars. Indiana right. just I, I love movies like that as a kid, so I'm sure they had some influence on me too. But it was definitely in church are the earliest experiences I can remember of seeing an actual musician performing live.
4: Okay, so you saw an organ player. When did you find trumpet? Well, I di- actually
5: actually. Um, I didn't start playing trumpet until I was 10 years old. Okay, which was four years after uh, I started taking piano lessons from that same organist started giving me piano lessons at, at age 6 and started playing trumpet at age 10 and it's kind of a funny story actually how I actually started playing trumpet All right. so um, at, at that this point in my life um, I had gone to a really really tiny private school so at age 10 for 5th grade I transferred to public school okay. for, for the very first time and it was my first opportunity to be in a band uh-huh. So th- this was before they eliminated Band from elementary school. Right, yeah. I, was, I was one of the lucky last
4: few. Last of the last of the children to get the uh, advantage of becoming in band early
5: mm-hmm. in yeah. elementary school. Right. So, so I had this chance to, to be in uh, in the elementary school band. I had to pick an instrument, and I was leaning towards cello or French horn, mm-hmm. those, those were kind of two of my main choices, and preferably the cello, because I know this this seems really funny now, but um, back then I didn't like the idea of having to put my mouth on an instrument, or yeah. blow it. I thought that was kind of gross. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> so, so I would have preferred to play the cello, but I, I did like the French horn because they, at school, they played us a, a recording of Peter and the Wolf by mm-hmm. Prokofiev as, a, as the demonstration of what all the instruments sounded like. Right. And I I remember um, when the horns came in representing the wolf. Yeah, very ominous and it, very
4: dark. Yeah. I thought
5: that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I could play
4: the French horn. It's a great right. instrument. Right.
5: So, so, I was leaning towards you know cello or French horn. Uh, my mother takes me to the music shop to go pick out an instrument. We look at cellos, and they were really expensive. So that that idea was shot down right, right. away. No, you're right. not going to play the cello. We looked at French horns. They were pretty expensive, too. So we, we looked at all the other instruments in, in the store, and finally we see this trumpet, $100. Yeah. Cheapest, cheapest instrument, instrument in, there. in the
4: entire store. <laughs>
5: yeah. My mother looks at me, and she says, you're going to play the trumpet.
4: Well, it turned and out to be a good choice.
5: Yeah, yeah. It was a, um, you know, uh, I almost quit right away. Yeah. Because, uh, another funny story about about that, um, so I, I get home, uh-huh. um, you know, it wasn't my first choice, but I was still excited, you know, to have a new toy to play with, right, so I, I start blowing into the horn, yeah. and, you know, nothing comes out, There's yeah. no, no sound comes out, I'm thinking, you know, what, what is wrong with this thing, so I take a deep breath, I blow even harder, just, Nothing but air uh, yeah. comes out. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, what is wrong with this horn? This went on for over an hour, mm-hmm. and I ended my first day of trumpet playing, unable to get a note to speak out of the trumpet, and I almost quit right, yeah. right then and there. I started thinking, well, it's tr- Trumpet just isn't for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and luckily, the next day, before I could quit, somebody explained to me, oh, it's a brass instrument. You have to buzz your lips yeah. into it to get a sound. Which that thought would have never crossed my mind yeah. you know, in a it was million just blowing years. blowing air right into it it, it, and it looked to me like people were just blowing into <laughs> it I never would have thought you have to buzz your lips so so I buzzed my lips into it um, was able to finally get a sound yeah. and, and from there I was actually able to to pick it up pretty quickly and I really grew to to enjoy playing trumpet and uh, became glad that that was my instrument.
4: Yeah. When did you actually just say, "This is what I want to do in life"? Is I want to play the trumpet and and play it professionally.
5: Uh, that was when I a couple years later when I was in middle
4: school. Okay. Um, I was yeah I was about twelve years old. So all of this at a very early age. Some musicians don't realize until you know, their late teens or even early twenties that they this is what they want to do. I mean you found music when you were six mm-hmm. and then you decided you wanted to go into music at twelve.
5: Yeah, at age twelve yeah. I, I knew by then there that was, was what I wanted to do. Now I hadn't discovered classical music or, or orchestral playing right. yet. But um what what really made me decide I wanted to be a professional was um there was a jazz band okay. in, in the middle school, and it was like the the elite band. Right. Um, like it, it was very small ensemble compared to the large concert band. Right. that Everyone could be in, and and yeah, you know, we played things like Sousa marches and the typical band music, which it was fun to play. Mm-hmm. But that kind of music really didn't do that much for me. Right. But it was when I finally got into this. Um, jazz band and started playing jazz and mm-hmm. rock and Latin stuff like that. I really love that kind of music and and I almost kind of felt like a professional already in that band because we got we went on tour. We yeah, we would yeah. do concerts all yeah, over yeah. the place. So I kind of I felt like a professional already playing in that band. It was a right. really great experience. And I thought, yeah, this is what I want to do
4: for a living. Yeah, <laughs> be awesome, man. Do you find yourself more adept in jazz or classical or both, or do you feel equally comfortable in both?
5: Um, I'm n- now um, it's. Funny since I, I started nothing but jazz, but I I quick after I discovered classical, I quickly went into that and almost played nothing but classical music for a long time, yeah. like until I got out of college recently. Right. So I, I think um, since since I graduated from college and was only focused on legit playing, we call right. it and orchestral playing. Right. Uh, s- since then, I've been forced. To to play a lot of jazz, right. and, and so I think my jazz skills are slowly
4: catching up. They're creeping back up to your classical right, line.
5: but they're still not quite you know. Classical orchestral playing is really my main love is a right different mindset as a player as a performer Yeah, I think so. I, I think uh, in a lot of ways playing jazz is is more fun. Yeah And, and more relaxed a- right. atmosphere um, If you know what you're doing mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> the, the classical uh, playing can be a little more more stressful Yeah, but but that's what I was was trained to do and that's what I spent most of my time Focusing on
4: where'd you go to college?
5: I graduated from University of South Florida.
4: And who's a trumpet teacher there? Jay Coble. But how was your experience there in college? Uh,
5: that, that was a, a great experience I had with Jay Coble. It, he was one of my first real teachers yeah. that I can say I ever had. Um, I actually I did four years of college in other schools before that because uh-huh. I... I Actually, was a baseball player. Okay, and um and so uh, I was on baseball scholarship for my first four years of college. What position did you play? Uh, I was
4: a pitcher. You were a pitcher. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and well, so all these things we don't know. This is pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't know you were a pitcher. That's great.
5: Yeah, yeah I haven't thought about that in a, in a long time. Um, but. Music was always my my main love, but yeah. when I was in high school, it, it was pretty unexpected. I kind of just kind of got good at baseball right. all of a sudden. Yeah. I, I was a pitcher, and I started throwing really hard, and, and once I got to where I could throw a 90-mile-per-hour fastball, yeah. suddenly professional scouts started right. getting interested, <laughs> right. and this was something I hadn't planned on, so I, I ended up getting drafted by the Houston Astros out of high school. Sweet. Um, Really wanted to to sign. I didn't want to go to college at first. I just wanted to go pro, but I I was having some elbow problems at the time, so I decided to to go to college instead. Okay. So as a result of this, I ended up doing four years of college, um, on with really good baseball scholarships. Unfortunately. All these places I went to for baseball, they didn't have hardly any no music, music program yeah. at all. So it wasn't until I finished my four years of college playing baseball that I finally transferred over to University of South Florida right. in Tampa and got with, with Jay Coble, who was really a great teacher, and he got me really disciplined yeah. for, so for the first time. Would you,
4: what would you say about his teaching that really kind of shaped you as a musician? Is there anything specific?
5: Yeah, he was the first person that showed me how important it was to have a steady routine right. and, and to actually Warm up.
4: Right. Warming you know, we, up is very important. R- right. Yeah. It's,
5: it's something, you know, I, I knew in baseball warming up was important, but for some reason I, I never really um, connected it to, to music that, yeah, you also have to warm up in music. And I used to be horribly inconsistent, you yeah. know, when I was younger. I'd have great days and I'd have bad days, and yeah. I couldn't figure out why. And then I realized it was because, yeah, I wasn't warming up. right
4: <laughs> Yeah, it's a routine. Right. And it's a long routine.
5: Mm-hmm. good 45 minutes I try to, to spend warming up now, and, and that's greatly improved my consistency from day to day, having this steady routine right. that I have uh, Dr. Kobold to thank for that. Well, that's and, awesome.
4: Yeah. Uh, you're a busy musician. You're all over the place. You mm-hmm. play with a lot of groups. Uh, how do you balance your time between playing with all these different orchestras and ensembles? basically
5: I just tr- I try to fit as many concerts into my schedule as I, as you possibly, as I can. possibly can and then
4: you just worry about the rest after right. How many groups do you play with roughly?
5: Uh, oh, at least five or six. Five or six. I'd say yeah. full time.
4: Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
5: it's it's fun. i spend spent a lot of time on the road, a lot of time driving. So sometimes I I think.
4: Do I'm, you like driving? I, I do. Okay, I, that's I, good. It's
5: a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do yeah. like driving. Um, that's where probably ninety percent of my music listening time is. Right. So so I, I do appreciate you know you know when I have a couple hours on the road every day. I that's when I can listen to my Mahler symphonies mm-hmm. or you know whatever. Books on tape too. Right. I've been been big on on listening to a lot of books on tape this yeah. season. What,
4: you, what was your last book on tape you listened to?
5: The last book on tape I listened to was um, it's called the fiftieth law.
4: The fiftieth law
5: by Robert Greene. I don't okay. know if you're he's I'm not kinda, familiar with it. He, he wrote a book that that's really famous called the forty eight laws of power.
4: I've heard of that. So it's it's yeah. it's a
5: really good self help book. And <laughs> it, it, this is funny. He calls it the, the this one's the fiftieth law. Yeah. Because he actually Wrote it with the wrapper fifty cent. Okay. Because he, he thought this this wrapper fifty cent was just a perfect example of using the 48 Laws that he talks about in his other book and becoming greatly successful.
4: And there he was. Mm -hmm. So he took these 48 Laws, became a rapper, ultra-successful, and now there's the 50th Law.
5: And now there's, yeah, the 50th Law. Very cool.
4: (laughs) And how was it? Did you enjoy it?
5: Oh, yeah. It's it's very uh, motivating, just like all Robert Greene's books are. Awesome. They're the kind of books that make you, you just can't wait to go and start practicing.
4: (laughs) You also arrange and compose. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that life, because... uh, you're quite good. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And I've heard some of your arrangements and pieces, and they're really great. And a lot of people speak very highly of them. So tell me a little about that life.
5: Oh, thank you. Um, well, yeah, yeah, it's funny. Like, as a professional, I don't really consider myself that much of a, of a composer or, or arranger. You know, it's, it's mostly all about trumpet playing. Yeah. But, um, see, I, I think it's very important to have that composer's point of view no matter what instrument you play. Sure. So, um, now, maybe it's the sort of thing, maybe when my trumpet playing days are over, I'd like to really Focus focus on having a serious career... Of composing or arranging, but uh, right now it, I really just see it as something that it enhances my trumpet playing and right. it, it gives me a, a better perspective of what I'm doing. Right. So I, I don't want to be one of these people like that say things like Mahler's Fifth Symphony is a trumpet concerto, right? right. I, I try yeah. to, but when I'm playing a piece like that, I I don't want to think of it as a trumpet player. I want to think of it as if I was Mahler. Like, right. So I didn't just write the trumpet part. I wrote all those other
4: yeah. parts too. And it. there's so many other components of the Mahler symphony. Yeah, that,
5: exactly. Uh, I mean there's almost every other principal instrument seems to have more solo if mm-hmm. you add it up bar by bar, the concert master right, right. violin, even the principal horn
4: has exactly so more, many, than more, more than the trumpet. But more than the trumpet when you think of Mahler five you think of the opening trumpet because line. Because of the
5: opening trumpet solo it's, yeah. it, and it's it's very important. Yeah. But um I, I think as trumpet players we can kind of tend to be a little egotistical and yeah, a little sure. full of ourselves. Uh-huh. And and so I, that's why I think it's it's always important to, to first and foremost think think of music from the composition from the composers point of that's view that's
4: cool you don't hear many composers arrangers speak of it from a per, uh, performing point of view
5: exactly yeah
4: so do you write how many pieces do you write a year do you write uh, original works
5: um, uh, you know i'm i'm so it varies yeah. uh, this season i've only written a couple of really short piano works because yeah. i've been very busy on the road performing do, you get, a lot. do you get them performed um, not not very often. Um, I've put on a couple little recitals yeah. myself where, I, where I've had a... I, I'm, I know enough about piano to write for piano, but I yeah. don't really have the guts to perform my own pieces. Right. So I've had friends perform piano yeah. recitals of my work, and, and there's been twice in the past I've actually hired together a little string ensemble awesome.
4: t- to perform some string pieces. I'm going to guarantee this. In the next two years, we're going to hear a couple Michael Fee Chamber concerts here in Brevard County. And the. Base coast symphony will put them on
5: i hope so that, that would, I would be love
4: great. i would love to do that
5: i'm um, looking forward to to fully orchestrating for full orchestra some of these smaller piano that'd be awesome and chamber pieces i have
4: i'm now. all for it uh do you teach uh
5: i i have in the past right now i i do not have too any privacy i'm just on the road too much yeah do you like teaching I, I do enjoy teaching. Um, I, I don't like having too many students at once. No, I like, when I have uh, like one or two students at a time, I, I really enjoy it. it. There The times in the past where I've had like a full daily schedule full of students, yeah. that, that seems to be a, a bit much.
4: Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. I have One or two students, I'm good, but anything more than that, you know, shoot me in the head. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's good. Uh, well, who's your favorite composer? Do you have one?
5: It varies. It depends on whether you're asking me as a performer yeah. or as a listener. I think that the answer can, okay. can change as a performer. As a performer. I, I really enjoy playing high, uh, flourishing stuff on the piccolo trumpet. Okay. So for that reason, I, I really like performing uh, Baroque music, especially composers like George Frederick Handel, mm-hmm. Johann Sebastian Bach, right. uh, who each wrote many pieces with great, high, difficult trumpet parts, yeah. uh, including Bach's Brandenburg Concerto Number no. 2. We're going to be doing that which one. We're doing that next season at yeah. Space Coast Symphony Orchestra, and I'm really looking forward to it. Well, let's talk about
4: Bach Brandenburg 2. Huh? Mm-hmm. What, what about that? Piece. I mean, first off, when people think of it, it's another work where they go trumpet concerto,
5: right? You it's, know, it's um, the trumpet kind of hogs the spotlight a lot yeah. just because it's it's very difficult and yeah. it's very legendary for how difficult it is to play. But what I like most about uh, the Bach Brandenburg concerto number no. two is um, it's a concerto grosso right you know, it, it's it's only one of four solo
4: instruments right. each
5: each instrument equally important
4: right the oboe the violin and the recorder
5: I'm just fascinated just as a listener mm-hmm. I, I just love the piece just how intricate all the lines weave together in his counterpoint is yeah, just Bach uh, is incredible yeah, it's just just a great piece of music to, to listen to and it's not just your typical concerto which you know concertos kind of have a, a reputation sometimes as being nothing but a vehicle for um, a soloist to right. show off
4: right, right. absolutely and, and
5: sometimes there's really nothing musical there's um, just it's just technique
4: on. flourishes and you know and look what I can do
5: e- exactly but not, not with Bach not, not with Bach
4: yeah, yeah. it was his music had meaning right and it had a, a sense of direction and there was no pretentiousness or uh, flourishes thrown in just for the heck of it
5: right yeah every yeah. note every was note there meant. because it had yeah. to be there
4: beautiful music so I can't wait to do that that's going to be next April and uh, can't wait to do that with you
2: going to be doing it in april that's right that's going to be great it's going to be yeah. april 16th so oh. you can set your calendar at vero beach performing arts center and then sunday april 17th at the scott center
0: hey this this is new this is going to be the first time that we've announced a specific concert in 2016
2: on the I show I know it's fantastic 2016 it's not... you're right so, uh, set your calendar
0: well, if we're lucky, sometime in 2016, we'll be able to get uh, Jeff to come back on the show for his this is your life moment. Uh, but for today, we just got to uh, be happy with the fact that we uh, caught him as he was passing through. So, thanks for being here, Jeff. Uh, thank you all for having me again. It's a You're great show. You're always one of the guys. You always enjoy
1: us today. I'm sorry? You're one of the guys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: So we were talking about, you know, before the show, when we were doing our exhaustive show prep, which is what we do. It's very impressive. (laughs) Before show, (laughs) You've made a couple, you know, a couple of films, you know, for the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. I think a lot of our listeners are probably aware of that, but why don't you um, kind of talk a little bit about that? In
3: October of, uh, I think it was 2012, uh, it might have been 2011, but we did uh, London, the London Symphony by uh, Ralph Vaughn Williams. Right. And uh, Aaron had asked me to put together a film for that, and I did. I really enjoyed that project very much. That's a little bit of a different kind of a project because I used found footage. I found a lot of existing footage from uh, the era in which the music was written. And uh, he actually wrote the piece, I think, in 1914. So I utilized the piece instead of... The traditional interpretation of a night in London, I used the piece to tell a story of World War I from right. the English perspective. so right. And um, I thought it was a pretty moving piece of music. I actually fell in love with it. yeah, it was it was really good. I think the, your film really added a lot to the music. Well, I hope so. I certainly, I'm a person who really is influenced by music almost more than anything else, mm-hmm. artistically. So when I, when I work, I find the right music before I do anything else. Mm-hmm. So because you did another film. Yes. Uh, I did a film that i have been working on for a long time called The Florida Suite. It's named after Frederick Delius' uh, work of the same name, a work that was surprisingly little known here in Florida. Uh, Delius, just to give you a really quick summary, was a son of a, a British uh, mill owner of German ancestry, who was who loved music more than he wanted to be a wool merchant. His father shipped him off to America to knock some sense into him and said, oh, I'm going to ship you to America where lots of other Englishmen in the late 1800s are making fortunes uh, with uh, citrus. But mm-hmm. so he rented a citrus grove near Jacksonville and shipped his kid over here. And the first thing that Delius does when he gets there is he falls in love with the music that is being sung by the ex-slaves. Oh. But anyway, he, teach, he finds a guy who's like the organ player at the church in Jacksonville to teach him composition. Right. So he spends his entire time here, like a year and a half, learning music and not tending oranges. <laughs> uh, he, goes, he goes back home, and his parents are convinced that he should be a musician. And so he goes to, they send him to Leipzig, where he studies under Grieg and... Uh, and produces his first work, The Florida Suite. It's a wonderful, charming piece. But through an accident, when it was first going to get performed, something happened, and they couldn't perform it, and he was upset, and he just moved on and kind of forgot about it. So it's it's around. I mean, it's known, but it wasn't as well-known as it probably should be.
0: Well, that's the musical foundation for the documentary that you created. However, there's a very personal... Part of
3: that, too, isn't there not? I wanted to make a film. My dad is a retired attorney who lives in an orange grove. And uh, around about this time, a few years ago, my grandmother developed Alzheimer's. And so he was taking care of her. And I was really moved by that. And I, I, would, I was a filmmaker and I wanted to make a film about it. And that was when I found Delys's music, I realized I had the right music. And so I made a film that is tailored exactly to the music. It's done like a performance, all four movements are there. It's completely to the music. And, uh, you know, we had some success. It came out in 2013, and I got a few awards, and it went around a few places. And uh, I had a really great experience with the symphony because in November of 2013, the symphony, the Space Coast Symphony, performed the music while the film played. So we had a live interpretation of the score to the film, and that was really wonderful. If you'd like to have a copy of this film, there's a great way to do it and to support the symphony, which is that you can buy a copy from the Space Coast Symphony for $20. And that $20 completely goes to support the symphony. None of it goes to me. It's 100% to the symphony. So if you'd like to see the film and support the symphony, there's your opportunity.
2: And it is a a great film. So, I mean, what I was able to see, you know, when I had (laughs) breasts and I could like turn around and... And look, you know. Yeah, it's very nice.
0: But uh, I see we should leave it there. That'll be a nice taste because really there's a lot more to talk about in terms of the Florida Suite and other things you're doing in the community. Uh, So, speaking of composers, uh, a composer that we actually talked about just last episode
2: died since the taping of the last episode. James Horner. That's right. James James Horner. James Horner. James Horner passed away. He created some really great stuff. Yeah, it's really What's your favorite
3: score by him? Well, Titanic is probably the biggest mm-hmm. probably the biggest movie. He did the second Star Trek film too, The Wrath of Khan. That was kind of the first film. Titanic is
0: nice, very popular, and it's nice music, but in terms of rousing music, yeah. the The Wrath of Khan is just great music from start to finish.
3: Yeah, he did a really great job with that. Of course, the Star Trek theme is by Jerry Goldsmith, but but the rest of the score in that was fantastic. Right. right.
0: And I say that with the understanding that pretty much every modern movie that you go to is going to have a good score. because the, Usually. You know, they, they, they hire professionals to do this. Yeah. But of those movie scores that you know, reach out and, and grab you, I really think the score to the Wrath of Khan,
1: which he did, really... I think it put him on the map. Right. I think. Right. It was really good. What Jeff was just talking about, I was talking with Aaron... Um, because aaron's a composer as well right and um i was I was speaking with Aaron about um, movie directors in a lot of cases are are really inspired by the composers by the type of music, and that is how they <laughs> Uh, really, really take, uh, their movie starts to take shape in a lot of cases. That's a fact.
2: Well, that's kind of what you were just talking about. That's what he was just saying,
1: and I really appreciate you saying that because I I get that. You know, the most famous example of that is 2001 A Space
3: Odyssey. Sure. Most directors will have what they call a temp track that they put to their films to help them cut it, and as a guide for the composer. Well, uh, Kubrick hired Alex North to do the score. Yeah. He didn't like Alex North's score. He preferred his temp track, and that's what we hear today. The temp track to 2001 is its full-on soundtrack. And I've, I've listened to North's score, and I like it, but I do think he made the right decision. The temp track is fantastic. But it's really fascinating. to You can do this on YouTube. You can see North's score played to the film. Right. instead of the, And you can watch it and see what it's like, and it's really interesting to do so. You know, one thing I find really
0: interesting, though, I love 2001, A Space Odyssey, as a movie... I think the two best-known pieces of music from the movie are actually the first two primary pieces that are played. In other words, the first two major scenes center around these two uh, pieces of music, which are radically different. Mm -hmm. And they're written by radically different composers who just happen to share the same last name, Johann Strauss- and Richard Strauss yes. but how different <laughs> right. a piece of
3: music uh, you know could you find one from the other i think what would be fascinating would be to to see uh, to to have a collection of music that were the inspirational pieces for star wars cuz if you listen carefully you can hear them well, in, it's the, very in wagnerian. the opening piece you can he- yeah in the opening piece you can hear mars the bringer of war mm-hmm. and there's, there's i'm sure there's many others yeah cuz like fascinating when we were talking to about like last week how you know that's very wagnerian how
2: each character has like its own leitmotif oh yeah leitmotif yeah. yeah jeremy right. now i'm gonna yes go ahead i was thinking we could use a temp track for the show <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hit it. yeah
0: maybe this is it uh, this you know, we'll, you know, later on we'll come back and replace all this with actual interesting contents <laughs> This could be <laughs> the temp track. great. I well, like I, don't, I don't want to get, you know, here I am again. I'm going to flip from, you know, our highbrow conversation of movie soundtracks. Here we go. And different composers. And I'm going to go to uh, perhaps a more pedestrian example. But when you're talking about pop music in a film, I think the best example of use of popular music in a contemporary film is Forrest Gump. Forest Gump. Oh, yeah. That's All the songs one. are fantastic songs, yeah. and they are very easily inserted. It just seems like it's part of the movie itself. You know, a lot of times in soundtracks, it seems like they forcibly interject songs. Well, with Forrest Gump, it seems like it just naturally is, it's as if they wrote those songs for the
2: movie, you know, 30 years before uh, the movie. Well, I wouldn't exactly say it's lowbrow. It's just, uh, depends on your point of reference. And then plus the music that was composed for Forrest Gump is great music too. We've performed that a couple of times in the movie concerts. The Space Coast Symphony
0: Orchestra would like to take this moment to say thank you to our many sponsors, helping fund classical
1: music in the community, including the following. Always proud to support a great performance. Bison Financial Group. Sound, goal-oriented investing. BisonFG.com. Bison Financial Group. Well... I know uh, Jeff's over there talking with Marion. Yeah, I just, I just want to make an
0: observation that uh, when I said that we uh, grabbed Jeff to come in because he came here on his own time, spending his own money, he actually had to step away to go uh, pay for
2: lunch. So. <laughs> <laughs> He's a fine, uh, well you. worth it. Well <laughs> worth you. it. Wonderful fine lunch.
1: American. That was great. So
2: do we have another half of this interview with yeah, Michael have, Fee?
1: Yeah, number two. Yes. Yeah, so
0: let's get back to the second half of the interview with SCSO trumpeter Michael Fee.
4: The weather is nice Let's talk about your favorite composer uh, from just a listening standpoint. From a listening
5: standpoint, I have a, there, there's a test I have to decide you know which composers are my favorite, which pieces of music are my favorite. Okay, what's and the test? That's uh, I call it the chills test. Okay, which I, I think most people are familiar with this. If you're listening to a piece of music that is just really beautiful or really powerful, it can give you chills, or sure. you, you can just feel it through your whole body, almost like like a drug. Kind I've, of yeah. I've... And there, there's lots of composers that that give me. Chills chills, Wagner, uh, Mahler, Bruckner, Strauss, uh, a lot of those guys, but I'd say the composer that gives me the most chills out of all of them, it would be uh, Sergei Rachmaninoff.
4: He'd, he would have to be Rachmaninoff. Mark Yeah, yeah, I love him too. What's your favorite work by him?
5: Wow, it's it's hard to, to pick a favorite. You know, um, uh, th- this goes back to what we were talking about, um, concertos too. Mm-hmm. He, he's another guy. Too. His piano concertos are are great. The, the third piano concerto. Oh yeah. It would definitely be be up there.
4: Not only is it a technical powerhouse, it's also just a music musically. It's just yeah, exactly. it's a whole other world.
5: I, I like to call it a, a symphony with piano. Yeah, really. No, which a, is, that's a
4: good description.
5: Yeah, he's he's one of the guys that he, he didn't just write meaningless things to show off his great technique, which right. which he was one of the greatest pianists of his right. day.
4: Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of, unfortunately, sometimes he gets associated with that. He gets associated with either being too syrupy, too, you know, uh, pandering to, to one's ear. But I mean, it's. That's fine with me. It's so direct and it's so not, I mean, it's just amazingly uh, straightforward and, and sometimes so simple, it just is so touching. Um, I remember when we did his second symphony, and I was one who didn't really care for Rachmaninoff. I kind of threw him in that category of uh, it's just too cheesy. On and off. Yeah, as a, yeah lot, a lot of There's say a few yeah. composers I throw just right into <laughs> uh-huh. that <the> little bucket, <laughs> but once I started learning the score to the Second Symphony, it completely changed my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's such a powerful work, and it's such a. It, I think it's just a musical paramount. Of that time. I just think it's uh, that that good. I just changed my opinion completely of them. It's amazing what one work will do.
5: And that, that second symphony, uh, I would put that right up there with the third piano concerto if, um, as a tie, I guess, yeah. for, for my all time favorite. Yeah, Rock that second symphony these.
4: does it for me every single time. Each movement, there's just some chills. So that's your test the chills test. The, the
5: chills test, yeah. That's all right. it.
4: And it can happen any time. You just never know. What else you got going on in your life? So
5: in, in addition to playing in orchestras, I, I also like having the opportunity to play chamber music chamber when I, whenever music. I get the okay. chance.
4: Yeah, let's talk a little about chamber music.
5: Um I I love playing in brass quintet. Okay. That that might be my favorite medium to actually perform it. Okay. And Even do you though-
4: have a brass quintet that you're that you're in?
5: Uh, yeah, I'm lucky enough to have a quintet called the Sovereign Brass. The
4: Sovereign Brass that I've Brass. been playing
5: with. We actually just did a concert
4: last night. Awesome!
5: And um, they're uh, who plays in that? They are all members of the Orlando Philharmonic. Okay. Um, and uh, they, one of their their second trumpet player retired recently, mm-hmm. and so this it's been about two years now that I've been filling in awesome. and playing with them, and it's been just a really great experience.
4: Cool. Yeah. So, what did you play last night?
5: Uh last night it was kind of um a pops oriented okay. concert. Really fun. We uh did uh themes from 007 mm-hmm. um, Car- Carmen medleys, yeah. uh, a lot of uh uh Canadian brass style uh, jazz arrangements. Right. Um things like that. Okay,
4: cool. And uh what is it about chamber music in general for you that that you just find so appealing?
5: there's something about um quintet playing uh, we, we just have more to do basically you play a lot more we, we, we play all the time yeah yeah as, as much as i love orchestral music right. it's my favorite music to listen to but a lot of times in the orchestra that's what we end up doing back there is just sitting back there right. listening for right half an hour at a and time then you
4: come in play a few measures then you're back to listening another half hour uh,
5: exactly yeah right <laughs> yeah so so although so i love the the orchestral music to listen to but when it comes to playing yeah we, we just have a lot more to do. And it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, playing and it.
4: It, you have to adapt to the players around you, and uh, and it's a it's a challenge all in itself.
5: It's a big challenge um, on the endurance too, because. It's totally the opposite of orchestral playing. You're doing a two-hour show. You're playing the entire time, right. e- even if you don't have the melody. So you're, right. you're switching back and forth. Sometimes you have the melody and you're the soloist. Mm-hmm. But then when you're not the soloist, you're still, you're still playing the whole time as accompaniment. Right. So it's, uh, yeah, you, you definitely have to be in shape yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to, to play
4: in a quintet. Absolutely. Do you have a concerto that, uh, that sticks out in your mind? I mean, there's a lot of great trumpet concertos out there and uh, some new ones that are being written as well is there a concerto that you just love that you gravitate towards
5: uh, I've always loved the Tomasi concerto yeah. I don't
4: know if you're familiar with that I'm not one. familiar with the trumpet concerto the trombone concerto but not the trumpet concerto
5: yeah yeah it, it's, a, it's a really cool piece it's um, it's one of those French conservatory uh-huh. pieces. He was, you know, from the twenties, I believe. Some of the written.
4: greatest pieces. I mean, concertos that were written all came from that, you know, competition and uh, conservatory pieces. And oh. it's it,
5: it's kind of jazzy, but uh-huh. it, but it's classical too, and it's yeah. just it's a really interesting piece. I was lucky enough to uh, to play it when I was in college and uh, won a concerto competition, got to perform it with the symphony orchestra back then. And that was, yeah, that was a lot of fun playing that piece. Very
4: cool. Uh, Do you have any advice for young musicians who are looking to, you know, get into the music field? You discovered it at an early age, but then there's some musicians who right now maybe are... Questioning if if this is for them, what what would you suggest to them?
5: Don't put it off. Don't don't wait for the right time. Right. Just if it's really what you want to do, I'd say you have to go for it with with everything. Everything you, you got. Have. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's that's what I would suggest. It. It's one of the things. That if you if you have a safety net, if you have a backup plan, you're going to end up using it. Okay. Because this is um, it, it's a hard business and. Um, you have to almost leave yourself no other choice, mm-hmm. but you have to put yourself in a situation where you have to either succeed or die trying, basically, which, which actually is a principle from The Art of War, another book, one of the books on tape that I've been listening to. <laughs> in the You're listening car, to The listen Art to, of War on tape? The, the Art of War on tape, yeah. yeah. wow. Yeah, that, that's uh, one, of the, one of the great lessons from that book is uh, they call it putting yourself in death ground. Yeah. Which, which means uh, if you're a general, you have to put your soldiers in a situation where they have to fight or they're yeah. going to die. Right, and, and when you put them in that situation, they win every time, apparently. If, if you put them in a situation where if there's an escape route, right. they're going to retreat. They're going to take the escape route every time. So if you really want to succeed, you have to put yourself in that situation where
4: <laughs> you have no choice. You have to succeed yeah. or you're going to die. There's so many different types of trumpets. And for our listeners, it may be good to describe a few of them. Uh, first, how would you describe a trumpet to someone who doesn't even know what a trumpet is? What would be your description?
5: Well, a, a trumpet is really simple when it comes down to its basics. It's it's one of the oldest types of instruments mm-hmm. we have. It's been around for thousands of years. And basically, any type of tube object that you can buzz your lips into is, is a trumpet. Is a trumpet. Okay. And the, the earliest examples would be you know, ram's horns. Or mm-hmm. even in the islands, uh, you can make a trumpet out of a conch shell by chopping off the tip of it, and you can buzz your lips and make a trumpet out of that. So those are the oldest examples of of trumpet that have been around for thousands of years. In the the Baroque period, um, which we normally play on a piccolo trumpet to make it easier back in those days valves still didn't exist Mm -hmm. so trumpets back then still weren't much more than the ram's horn they they were a little bit longer they were made out of metal and brass at that point but they were just tubes there were no valves or keys or anything like that all the changing of the notes had to be done with
4: the lips yeah lips and air Mm -hmm. that's right yeah have you ever played on one of those foulless uh, trumpets? I have, yeah. I, and how, I, how was it, your experience on that?
5: Uh, I, I I enjoy it. I have a natural trumpet that I play on just for, for practice, and uh, I, I find that it, it's
4: more difficult to, to play. Absolutely. I played on a natural horn, and it was way more difficult
5: yeah it has more more um tone quality to yeah. it. more more colors yeah, you get out of, out of the sound yeah so I, th- I think it has a better sound um i love listening to uh period instrument mm-hmm. recordings um because uh t- to me i mean the sound is
4: so it's more it's than great. just a fad for you those recordings that they record all these pieces with period instruments.
5: i enjoy that you know after listening to um uh one that comes to mind is uh, John Elliott Gardner's uh, um, he's Beethoven incredible. symphonies. I can't listen to Beethoven played on modern instruments after that recording. It's Interesting.
4: Just... he's a terrific conductor. Yeah. I, I love listening to, his, uh, you know, the Bach masses and, and things like that. Uh uh Harewegge and uh John Elliott Gardner doing those works on period instruments just is just absolutely awesome yeah. for the ear.
5: I, I love the, the sound of, the, of those natural instruments and even though now in, in modern orchestras we play those really high natural trumpet parts on piccolo trumpet right. usually which makes it much easier and I love the sound of the piccolo trumpet too maybe it's only obvious to trumpet players but it's a very different sound yeah. I think between the, the piccolo trumpet and the sound that the natural trumpets. Now, now yeah.
4: what is the piccolo trumpet for in layman's terms? Okay,
5: now So the, the piccolo trumpet is basically it's half the size of our standard trumpet right. that, that everyone knows of um, you know just a regular trumpet with three valves, um, a piccolo trumpet is exactly half that size, and it's specifically designed to make accuracy better up in that extreme high red
4: Much smaller, condensed.
5: What, when you're doing it right, the the idea is to make it sound as much like a regular trumpet as possible. So the, the listener is not supposed to be able to tell is he right. playing a regular trumpet, is he playing a piccolo trumpet? <laughs> right. It's just supposed to sound easier. But it, but the sound is supposed. So to we make- have
4: our piccolo trumpet, then we have a cornet.
5: A, a cornet is the same as a a regular B flat trumpet right. it's it's the fingerings are the same. The, mm-hmm. the length of the tubing is the same. Um, it's played exactly the same way. The difference is it's wound up a little different, Right. and the tubing is a little narrower, especially where the the mouthpiece fits into the horn. You have you can't use a trumpet mouthpiece; will not fit into a cornet. Right. So you have to have a skinnier mouthpiece, a cornet mouthpiece, um, to fit in that. And it has a, more of a. It's wound up in more of a round maybe more french horn mm-hmm. type shape yeah so so even though it it's basically the same thing as a trumpet and it's played exactly the same way i find it as more of a mellower
4: it has a little more dark yeah dark yeah, darkness darker to it. mellower
5: yeah. uh, more more lyrical mm-hmm. sound
4: i think yeah i'd agree how many trumpets do you own I have a lot of trumpets. Okay, just your basic set that you usually bring. The ones with you. that I
5: actually use, I would say I have about five. Five trumpets. Five standard trumpets that I play. A, a B flat trumpet, yeah. which is the, the the one that everyone knows, and then you have the, the C trumpet. is just a little bit smaller, one step higher. Right. That's the trumpet I use in the orchestra most of the time. Right. It it has a more brilliant sound, in it tends to cut through a little easier the texture of the orchestra so that's why it's popular uh, in orchestras after that a little smaller than that is the i have one trumpet that can play in both d and e flat okay and that helps uh it it depends on what key you're in, basically. So, so something that might be in a really difficult key to playing on the C trumpet, on the E flat or the D trumpet, and then even smaller than that is when you have the piccolo trumpet, which I, I use a lot right? Um, for, for Baroque music and, yeah. and things even like that. Even in some
4: modern pieces, it, I've seen you pull it out. A,
5: a lot, Yes, a lot of uh, modern composers like to make really, really high demands of <laughs> yeah, the trumpet players. They do. <laughs> they do. Um, sometimes they don't consider that. Sometimes we have to Breathe, or or maybe maybe there's a note we can play that high, but we can't play it all day, you know, up in that register. So that's where so the piccolo trumpet comes in really handy for some some modern uh, pieces. So some of these composers know enough to actually write specifically for piccolo trumpet. So they they know that they're asking for something really high and really demanding and they will specifically write it for the piccolo trumpet yeah. but f- for the most part composers, they just write for the trumpet and they just leave it up, the trumpet players ourselves, we kind of decide what horn we're right. going
4: to use for a particular piece. What piece, out of any piece that you've played, requires most of your trumpets on stage? Because occasionally we'll see four or five trumpets just sitting across in a line. Is there a certain composer that, that require this kind of uh, entourage of trumpets?
5: Oh, wow, yeah, yeah, let me I think there's um, one uh, that comes to mind uh, right off the bat is uh, pictures at an exhibition. Yeah. Um, the the Ravel orchestration. Right. That's one where um, most of that piece would be played on C trumpet, but for the notorious um, solo, uh, the two Polish Jews, yeah. or Samuel Goldenberg and yeah. Shmuel, it's become uh, because of the difficulty of that excerpt, it's become um, standard to play that on the piccolo trumpet. Right. Even though I've seen a few people. Try to play it on. Now, we're going to be playing trumpet.
4: that in November. What are you going to be playing it on?
5: Uh, that's what I, I, yeah, I will definitely be playing trumpet. that solo on the piccolo yeah. trumpet. Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sometimes, you know, it, it just depends on. Um on what piece you're playing. Some, uh, Like I said, uh, in the orchestra, most of the time I play C trumpet. Yeah. So there might be one passage uh, Shostakovich comes to mind. He he liked to write a lot of really low passages
4: right, where very low. it
5: goes out of the range of the C trumpet mm-hmm. and I'll have to switch to the B flat trumpet mm-hmm. just to to get a few of those low notes to come.
4: Is there a trumpet player out there that you just love listening to that just kind of rocks your world no matter what you listen to?
5: Oh, yes, yeah, definitely. Um, I'd have to say uh went Marsalis. Yeah, Changed amazing. Changed my life. Uh, this was uh, this goes back to uh, what we were talking about earlier. When I first decided I wanted to be a professional musician, but I was mostly focused on jazz at this point. Yeah. It was right around that same period, not long after that, uh, I had a substitute teacher come in. Okay. And she heard me play a little bit, thought I sounded pretty good. And she's like, tomorrow I'm going to bring something that you have to listen to.
4: Yeah.
5: So, the next day she substituted again brought me a recording of Wint Marsalis playing Haydn's trumpet concerto yeah. and the Bach Brandenburg concerto number yeah. 2 and that day changed my life forever. Yeah. I just I didn't know it was possible for a trumpet to sound
4: that beautiful, right? And his technique, he is so adept at any style he plays, he's absolutely right. incredible.
5: I didn't even realize he was more known for jazz at the time. Yeah. I had no yeah. idea who this guy, when Marsalis, was. I just, right. was my this substitute teacher just said, Here, listen to this, and I just couldn't believe it. And that was, um. That's what got me into classical music. Yeah. To be honest, I, I was really focused on on jazz up until that point, and after hearing that recording, I wanted to be like Wynton Marsalis.
4: Awesome. Well, I'm sure. A lot of people already think that you very close to Winsor Marsalis. You're playing. Oh, thank so. you.
5: That's very nice of you. Yeah. Uh,
4: if you want to hear some of Michael uh, playing, he does have a SoundCloud. We're going to include that in the description below, and uh, you can also hear a couple of his arrangements and, and various things there as well. Uh, you'll hear Michael next season perform the Brandenburg Concerto Number no. Two, among other works, um, some famous excerpts from Pictures at an Exhibition, among others, and uh, we can't wait to have you. You back. Thank you so much for joining me.
5: Thank you very much.
1: Michael Fee. That was a great interview, wasn't it? I always enjoy these interviews. Very good. It's very educational. I enjoy his playing. He's a great uh, uh, Great. horn player. Great trumpeter. Great trumpeter. Yes, very good. Okay, I wanted to, uh, if we could, talk a little bit about volunteers. How can somebody volunteer? They
2: can call our phone number. Yeah. 855-252-7276. Or I think there's, on the website, probably a place where you can uh, sign up to volunteer.
1: Yeah. You can. Go because on the website. It's very simple.
2: Volunteers are working really hard. We can always use more. Well, they're having a great time this week.
1: And we, we appreciate everybody's help. But uh, because we're nonprofit, we are in the middle of, and we just need a quick little update. Oh, the symphony for good. We're yeah. doing very
2: well. I think we're about halfway to our goal mm, now. No,
1: we're over half. Oh, we're over half. Yeah. See, you're
2: more on top 62%. of the 62%. Ah, that's very good. <laughs> Somebody's been reading the inner office memos. <laughs> yeah, that's very good. 62%. Well, 60%. And you know these uh, concerts this yeah. weekend, they're free concerts. They're kind of like a fundraiser yeah, for know. the uh, symphony as well.
1: <clears throat> and I think it's great. I want to point something out. They're sold out. So those of you who want to go, man, I really want to go. What concerts? There's kind of like a waiting list. Yeah, there's a waiting list. But the thing is, even if a concert's free, you have got to call and reserve your tickets or go online and reserve your tickets or you don't get in. It's too late, though. That's what I'm saying. You can't just, uh, uh, you know, you cannot wait. No procrastinating. Right.
0: Well, we need to talk about at the next board meeting, we need to do again... Uh, what we did a few years ago, which is uh, have a free concert outside, so there's really no s- seating maximum. Yeah. People can just keep, you know,
2: filing into the park. Or we've done that before; had free yeah. outdoor concerts too. So you should do that again. Or yeah.
3: simulcast it, like show it on a screen and have like a hot dog cookout or something, oh, yeah. and then you could accommodate the yeah.
2: extra people. Oh yeah, that'd and be really since cool. Since you
1: simulcast it, let me ask you this: what about what about doing it in some desert? Because so many people show up, you need that you need the you need the space. <laughs>
3: Burning Man. <laughs>
1: Imagine imagine
0: how much we can generate off the water concessions alone.
2: That's yes. true. Symphony water would be tearing it up. Now you're talking. But it would be hot for the tuba player, you know, playing in a desert. So. Well, speaking of symphony water, I've got another
0: thing in R&D that's almost ready to come out. Oh, here we go. That's right. So, uh, symphony water, I think we're going to rebrand it. and It's going to come out. It's going to be Maestro's Hydro.
1: Oh, Ooh, I, like I like that. that. That's has got a great... Yeah, so that's, that's good. Not, like not only is Jeremy working on Top Secretly, he's working on Tuba Blast. It's an idea machine. Yeah, Tuba Blast. Uh, yeah.
0: We're still trying to perfect some of the flavors. The valve oil flavor <laughs> wasn't that popular, so... <laughs> Uh, so we did have a, a couple of unfortunate incidents during the testing <laughs> process, but we'll uh, fine tune that. Uh, at any rate, I, we're getting low on time, uh, but I really am excited about next week. Primary reason, uh-huh. it's the first Friday Fizz Quiz. It's back! Yes, Yay. it's yeah. back. That's right. It's and of
2: course, we do have a, a very uh, a good guest for next week, Eric, I have a special guest, uh, my friend Don Staples. Mm-hmm, he was mm-hmm. a principal trombone in the Lawrence Walk Orchestra from Lawrence. Well, when they switched from black and white to color until the show uh, ended
1: a one-a and a two-a and a 3 so uh, <laughs> i guarantee
2: that's gonna be a great show so stock up on bubbles and
0: uh, <laughs> pink champagne bubbles. and well in the meantime i'm jeremy hickman i'm bill trudeau i'm eric lee and we're here with our special guest def thompson reminding you as always we'll, we'll see you at the show, show. You've been listening to Maestros On Air brought to you by the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Remember, you can support the symphony in many ways, including a visit to Maestro's Cafe, located just inside the main entrance to the Brevard Central Library and Reference Center, 308 Forest Avenue, Cocoa, Florida. Maestro's Cafe serves a variety of coffee and other drinks, as well as breakfast and lunch selections, and is open most days from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., with extended hours on Tuesdays and thursday closed sunday for more information about the symphony or upcoming concerts like us on facebook or visit our webpage at space coast symphony and remember as always we'll see you at the show
3: Velocity Production.